You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, brought to you by Vessi Seeds. And today we've got Keith Reed here to talk about nitrogen, everything you ever wanted to know about nitrogen. Who is Keith Reed? Keith Reed is a soil scientist. He has his BSc and MSc at the University of Guelph. It's in Ontario. Uh, he worked for the Ontario, Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, and he worked for Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, and he's the author of Improving Your Soil. And I'd, I'd like to show the book. And I've read his book, and I've had him on the podcast to talk about the book. But uh, I cleaned my office a month ago, and I, d- I was looking for the book this morning, and I can't find it anywhere. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of number of things missing. I know it's in here somewhere. Um, anyway, I'll put it up on the screen. I'll just put a, an image up. It's a great book. I recommend it to anyone. You don't need to be a, a commercial farmer to read this book. Any home gardener would uh, improve their knowledge um, about soil by virtue of reading this book. Keith, hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And if we're going to talk about everything about nitrogen, yeah, an hour is not long enough. We would <laughs> okay. need several hours, but we'll we'll try to keep it relevant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there's a, a guy I have on my podcast a lot, Robert Pavlis, and that's his go-to thing when people, you know, are talking about, you know, how can I, what can I do? What's wrong with my plant? Blah, blah, blah. It's probably nitrogen. It's like the least stable thing. <laughs> um so that's what got me thinking of, you know, uh, the topic of today's uh, podcast. Uh, so I have a whole bunch of questions I'm going to ask Keith about nitrogen, and we're just going to try to fill up an hour uh, going through all of these. Because, yeah, if you uh, if you understand nitrogen, you'll probably be doing a lot better as a home gardener. That's right. Uh, so let's just get started. What is nitrogen? Okay. Uh, pretty common element. Uh, 78% of the air we breathe is, is nitrogen gas. Uh, and, and, you know, two nitrogen atoms stuck together uh, is a very, very stable uh, compound. Doesn't, right. not, not reactive at all. Uh, the only time it causes trouble is if you do deep, deep sea diving and nitrogen dissolves in your blood. And it's the bubbles coming out when you come back up to the surface that causes the bends. Yes. Other, exactly. other than that, nitrogen is pretty benign. Trouble is... The nitrogen gas in the air we breathe is absolutely useless as far as biological systems go because it is so stable. Right. Uh, you know, so plants plants can't absorb nitrogen directly out of the air. Animals can't use nitrogen directly out of the air. It has to be converted into some other form of nitrogen for uh, living organisms to be able to use it. Right. So we're we're surround we need it. And we're surrounded by it, but we gotta we gotta you know eat something or drink something to get it into us. <laughs> we can't breathe it. We can't, yeah, we don't get it through breathing. We we get it through through what we eat, and and plants get it. Uh, well, before uh, you know, commercial or industrial nitrogen fixation, they got it, you know, from bacteria, other organisms in the soil that uh, harvested energy from elsewhere to to break those bonds and uh, create other compounds. So okay, well, so before we get ahead of ourselves, like because I think we've got a couple questions yeah. here that kind of get into that. Yeah. Um, so. Why do plants need nitrogen? Okay. Uh, pretty important in the plants. Every protein, uh, every amino acid is made up of, of nitrogen compounds. Uh, they have amine compounds, so nitrogen and hydrogen stuck together. Uh, so chlorophyll is a you know, protein backbone. The green chlorophyll that, that uh, harvests the sun's energy uh, requires nitrogen. Uh, all of the yeah, all of the proteins in the plant, uh, DNA, you know, our genetic material is a nitrogen backbone. So it's wow. you know, it's it's in every cell. It's in uh, involved in pretty much every uh, reaction within the plant and within animals and uh, and bacteria as well. Wow. So it's yeah. So it's it's uh, it's one of the it's an essential nutrient, and it's one of the largest quantities in plants and in animals in terms of, you know, if you, if you broke us down, yeah, the biggest parts are carbon, hydrogen, oxygen. Next on the list is nitrogen. I see. I see. And without it, we're, we're doomed. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a key component <laughs> of carbon-based life. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. Okay. Um, now, how do plants get nitrogen? Yep. So plants, all the all the nitrogen they get, I shouldn't say all the nitrogen, but most of the nitrogen they get, they absorb from the soil, uh, take up through the roots. Uh, plants 
can actually absorb nitrogen through the leaves. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's why sometimes foliar, foliar applications, you know, look like they do something phenomenal because they get a little bit of nitrogen through the leaves into the plant, right where it needs it at the time. And you'll see an immediate, you know, green up. Uh, but it's a pretty small amount that plants can absorb that way. And, right. uh, and there have been, and generally speaking, in nature, that's not going to be, there'll be a little bit of nitrogen stuck be a, in rain, a bear might pee on the plant. Um, it's not yeah, too yeah, many. But <laughs> most of it is through the roots. Okay. Most of and, it, yeah. and and even, even foliar nitrogen, most of it runs off the plant down to the soil, <laughs> right. taken up through the roots. Or it's like a fertilizer spray, basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How are they getting it through the roots? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so getting it through the roots. Or put it another way, why yeah. why is there nitrogen in the ground? Yeah, why is there <laughs> nitrogen in the ground? Yeah, and that's where um, lots of, you know, we could spend an hour in the nitrogen cycle. Yes. yes. Uh, first, first step is, you know, converting that nitrogen gas into ammonium. So that's what, uh, that's what the, uh, the ribosomia bacteria, you know, associated with legumes, will do that's there's free living uh cyanobacteria in the soil uh that will take that that very strong bond and break it and combine that nitrogen with hydrogen to get ammonium which plants can use directly trouble with ammonium is it it has a positive charge so it sticks to the clay minerals it sticks to the organic matter in the soil it doesn't move easily with water oh. there's other bacteria that will use the ammonium and convert it to nitrate and nitrate moves very easily with water so most of the water most of the nitrogen taken up by plants is actually in the nitrate form just because it it moves with the water as the plants oh take up water it just pulls that nitrate with it so ammonium is, you could say ammonium is relatively stable in soil compared to nitrate, which can be rained away. Yeah. That, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. Know yeah. That. But the, yeah, the, the drawback with nitrate, yes, it can be rained away. It can be leached out of the soil. Um, but it also means it's mobile in the soil and plants can, can get at it easily where the, yes. you know, the ammonium, the roots have to grow close enough to, a, you know, a, clay mineral to be able to absorb it by uh, diffusion right which, or if you, you have know, a, so... a fairly healthy balance of organic life and organic matter in your soil there's probably a more more opportunity for the ammonium to be changed and turned into nitrates yep yep okay. uh yeah yeah warm warm moist conditions right. you know uh Lots of bacteria in the soil that are ready to do that. Yeah. Um, and that leads to the other part. In the soil itself, the biggest pool of nitrogen is actually in the organic matter. Right. You know, you know we've, it's, you know, broken down plants and animals. It, it's got a part of the nitrogen that uh, was there originally, and it's bound up in, in compounds in that organic matter. Uh, so, you know, we might have, if you like, in an acre of topsoil, we might have 3,000 pounds of nitrogen in the organic matter. Uh, as that breaks down, you know, or as it cycles back and forth between the organic form and, and, uh, and mineral form, you know, we might get 100 pounds out of that 3,000 pounds released into the soil. And is that... Is the nitrogen in the organic matter, is it broken down into ammonium or nitrate or what is it? Yeah, uh, it, it will go, it will go from organic matter to ammonium. I see. And then convert it to nitrate. Okay. So there really, think about it in soil, there's, there's three, three kinds of nitrogen. There's, yeah, there's ammonium, yeah. there's nitrate, and then you've got this nitrogen raw material. That's exactly in the yeah. process of becoming either ammonium or nitrate. Yeah, yeah. And and the complication is that organic in um not all of it breaks down equally quickly. 
you yes. know, there's differences in the compounds there's different and usually it's tied to mineral matter in some form or or hidden inside of a you know a granule of soil and uh and so it's not all available oh, and okay, yeah. and we don't want it all to be available right <laughs> it's it's kind of like uh yeah you want the structure of the cake and we can skim off some of the icing but you don't want to take the cake away or else the soil falls apart we we yeah. lose a whole lot of other uh other things that organic matter does for us right i see you know, so so when we talk about well getting you know, if we can get all our all of our nitrogen from organic matter uh only if we're breaking down that organic matter and, and using up the part in the soil that we want to keep. Yes. Yes. And I mean, there's, there's such a range. I mean, you could have, you got, I got a bucket of sawdust and a bucket of grass clippings. Um, you know, after two mm -hmm. weeks, the bucket of sawdust is still a bucket of sawdust. <laughs> the bucket of grass clippings is, oh. you know, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want to leave that in the bedroom. No, um. no, no. Um, yeah. And <laughs> Actually, that that opens up another uh, complication. If you mix that bucket of sawdust in the soil, you know that sawdust has a lot of carbon and a little bit of nitrogen. Yeah, so we we talk about a you know carbon to nitrogen ratio. So sawdust has about two hundred parts carbon to one part nitrogen. Right. Yes. Uh, put that sawdust in the soil. The bacteria, the fungi in the soil say oh you know food food because they use carbon compounds right uh, will immediately set to starting to eat that uh, grow and multiply but to do that they need nitrogen right so what do they do oh we've got some ammonium we've got some nitrate in the soil we will absorb that use that for our growth right and convert that convert that into you know bacteria bodies right yeah yeah um and when you consider you know you've got six billion bacteria in a teaspoon of soil then you're one lonely little plant yeah the bacteria get it first right yeah yeah and so you don't you're not i mean the the, the net effect is that you still have uh, plenty of uh, let's say you had really good soil with all kinds of nitrogen yeah, yeah. The nitrogen's still there, but yes. the plants can't get at it. Somebody else right. has got it first. You're right. Oh, it's sort of being know, borrowed. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. and until they use up the extra carbon compounds, that stays in the organic form. Right. Well, I guess you know, that segues in a sense to the next question, which is why do some plants not get enough? So you had, one example is the artificial situation where someone tells a whole bunch of, uh, you know, uh, you know, organic matter that's high in carbon and low in nitrogen. And for whatever reason, yep, they do this yep. uh, because it makes them feel good or maybe it changes. They want a nice light uh, texture to the mm -hmm, soil. Mm -hmm. And then they have this catastrophe where <laughs> everything's growing really poorly and looking pathetic. Um, but aside from that, aside from those sorts of situations where the, the gardener makes a huge mistake, <laughs> um, <laughs> what are other situations where plants wouldn't? Because I think this is, you know, a gardener has a, and I, I did a video this summer where I, I had this idea. Uh, a lot of people were saying this summer they had uh, a lousy garden. Um, and I had some things that didn't do mm -hmm. well, but you know, generally speaking, I had a good garden, but I did have a few beds where the results weren't that good. Um, and people thought, oh, it's just a bad summer. It's like, oh, we had lots of heat. We had lots of sun. It was ridiculously hot, sunny, warm. I mean, with the whole place, my, my province is on fire. We had a lot of heat. Yep, um, yep. And a lot of heat early, right? Like, it's not like the worst garden I ever had was 2015 because the soil was still frozen at the end of May. And it right. just took forever to get things germinated. And, and you stick your transplants in and you you didn't realize it, but you were like killing 80% of the root mass of the transplant because the soil mm -hmm, was so cold. Mm -hmm. um, so my theory was that we just had this massive washout of according to you uh, nitrate and that it's the beds i kept mulched with a really good organic mulch grew really well and the beds that i didn't have much mulch on or maybe i just like done something lazy like put cardboard on it just to keep the weeds down but there's no nitrogen there and you have an insane yeah, amount yeah. Of, we had a ridiculous amount of rain this summer over and over floods uh bridges bridges we still yeah, have not yeah. been repaired here in nova scotia for flooding um so uh yeah that was my theory but anyway yep yeah, yeah and uh 
Yeah, nitrogen is so slippery; it's hard to know exactly what where it's all gone. Yes. But uh, but you're describing a situation where yeah, warm or hot and dry early, and and then a lot of rain, you know, mid season on. Um, you've got conditions where the the soil because it dried out. You've got lots of air in the soil, so it's easy for bacteria to convert any ammonium to nitrate. So you get okay. an accumulation of nitrate in the soil. You get a heavy rain. If it's a, a, a well-drained soil, a gravelly soil, it'll wash that nitrate out, you know, carry it below the rooting zone. So, mm. you know, you, yes, you had enough there. Plant can't get it, get it because the roots aren't deep enough. The second thing can happen if you've got, especially if you've got a soil that's got a fair bit of clay in it, doesn't drain that well, the soil saturates. There's bacteria, because nitrate, it's NO3. Three oxygens to one nitrate. Okay. There's bacteria in the soil that say, okay, soil's flooded. We've used up all the oxygen gas. What's the next easiest source of nitrogen, or of, sorry, of oxygen? They'll grab the oxygen off the nitrate. That's what we call denitrification. Oh. Takes that nitrate, turns it back either to nitrogen gas. Oh. Or to nitrous oxide. I see. Probably fun yeah. for a party, but. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, we may get back into, you know, nitrous. the trouble with nitrous oxide is it's one of the greenhouse gases. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we don't. Yeah. Um, so, so doesn't matter whether you've got a well-drained soil or poorly drained soil, too much rain means you lose nitrogen. Oh, I didn't realize that. So, okay. So if your soil is flooded, I mean, this isn't every organism, a lot of organisms will die and flood it, but uh, the, I guess, anaerobic uh, yeah, ones yeah, can, yeah, can yeah. find their out, air. Out of, out of those, out of those 6 billion bacteria, there's probably 3 billion that <laughs> either can use nitrate or, you know, what they call obligate anaerobes, they, they, they can't use oxygen, but they can happily use nitrate. And when they use up all the nitrate, then they go to sulfate. Right. <laughs> and what you get when they take the oxygen off sulfate, they'll release release hydrogen sulfide. Well, that's yeah, that's good. <laughs> so yes. yeah, if your if your soil is you know, you've got a really wet spot, and uh, you know you you uh, stick the shovel in and it stinks of rotten eggs. Oh, that's that low tide smell, that's, right? Uh, that's yeah. hydrogen sulfide. I see. If you're getting a hydrogen sulfide smell, you're long past having any nitrate left. It's it's <laughs> it's you know. I see. It's gone before the bacteria will turn to sulfate. Right. That's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, so it's uh, <laughs> yeah. So those are conditions. Yeah. Those are conditions where you know there could have been enough nitrogen in the soil, and then you lose it. A lot of natural systems just are not that high in nitrogen to start with. Right. You know, if if you look at uh, what we get out of the air. So we'll get a little bit of nitrate deposition when you get lightning. Right. You know, you've, you've talked about that. You get a thunderstorm, there's lightning. You know, lightning strike will fix something like six kilograms of nitrogen. Uh, you know, but six kilograms over the length of a lightning strike is not very much in, <laughs> in the rain. Yes. Uh We'll get a bit of a, a ammonia deposition. You know, if you've got a hog barn up upwind, you know, some of that ammonia that's released from the hog barn will waft over and will will land on the soil. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's free living bacteria in the soil. We'll fix a bit of nitrogen, but there's, you know, there's not a lot of nitrogen from those sources. Uh, the big natural sources are the legumes. Right. Can you explain yeah. how they just for those that don't understand? Yeah. I mean, we. Guard, uh, farmers use them and gardeners use them, but uh, in nature we've got things like clover. Well, clover is clover a legume? Clover is a legume. Okay, okay. All right, anyway, yep, yep. I'll, let you, I'll uh, let you talk. You're the expert. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And and legumes, what they do is they form a symbiotic relationship with bacteria on the roots. Right. So that's what's inside the nodules if you dig up a legume. So if you dig up a clover plant or you dig up a pea plant, you see these little little round or, or oblong, you know, white things stuck to the root. It's not, it's not a pest. It's not a nematode. It's the nodules. 
and uh, actually if you if when the plants are actively growing you, you take one of those nodules and you split it open it'll be pink on the inside hmm. uh, because part of the yes part of the compounds that do the uh, the nitrogen fixation in the nodules are, are iron based so that's where the pink color comes from oh. when, they're, when they're active wow. uh, what the nodules are doing is they're getting sugars from the plant so the, you know, you've got a clover plant it's got nice green leaves it's uh, photosynthesizing some of that sugar is going down to the roots into the uh, the bacteria in the nodule they're using the energy from the sugars to drive nitrogen fixation so breaking that nitrogen bond which takes a fair bit of energy and you know releasing ammonium right so, so that's so they're not um yeah so the uh that nodule is it's taking nitrogen out of the air that's in the soil. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it's not the leaves sending, it's not the leaves pulling air and sending leaves. I always thought it was like the leaves, you know, sucking up air and somehow. No, no, no. no. It's, it's, it's the leaves photosynthesizing. Leaves fueling. They're, they're sending the fuel down to, to drive the process. Ah, uh, so they've got, okay. So they're just, they're, they're just, they're feeding the thing. Yep. Yep. That sucks air out of the soil. And makes mm -hmm. ammonium. Ah, yeah, yeah. And even then, and so, but then you were saying it's 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 not ammonium that the plants use; it's nitrate. Well, and then there's it, other things hanging just, around better, or is it because it's so close and it's right actually, there? Actually, yeah, it's right there. Ironically, in the plant itself, right. Um, when a plant absorbs nitrate, it converts it back to ammonium to per, to form the amino acids. Oh, really? Because it's it's the amines the, that uh, form the part of the protein, right? right. Uh, so actually, within the plant itself, yeah, some will be converted to nitrate. A lot more of it, you know, within in that situation would be used directly as as ammonium. Right. You know, and when stays you said it was, the plant. plants can't absorb ammonium, you just said it's it's more difficult because uh, because of its positive charge. It's yeah, yeah. It doesn't stuck doesn't, to your clay particles. Yeah, it doesn't move to the plant as easily. Uh, yeah. So so plants are adapted to to use nitrate. I see. But yeah, uh, yeah if if ammonium flowed as easily as nitrate, plants would quite happily use ammonium. Right. I see. Okay. So, That's really neat. Um, so I guess that does segue to the next question, which is what's the best way to maintain? I'm a gardener. I want to get the best results uh, I can possibly get. Um, of course, I'm sure, and maybe you can talk about there's, there yeah. is a, there is such a thing as too much nitrogen. Um, you know, it's funny if, if you talk to people about anything like that, even if it's vitamins, people seem to think there's just like, there's a more that oh. there's, you know, everything <laughs> if, needs if, what it's if a little, if a little is good, more is better. Exactly. Right. But there is, yeah, yeah. I mean, the way I always look at it, there's the right amount. Anything more than that is just either uh, a, a waste you're, of time or wasting, a problem. <laughs> yeah. You're wasting it or you're hurting the plants. Yeah. So uh, what's the best way to maintain an optimal nitrogen level in your soil? Okay. Um, depends on your approach. You know, uh, if you are trying to avoid buying any external inputs, that means rotating, rotating your garden plots and, and growing legumes for a year. Right. Um, and it's, it's a bit of a, a myth that you could, you know, plant uh, beans or peas, and then you know, that will give you leave a lot of nitrogen behind for the next crop. Um, Beans and peas will fix quite a bit of nitrogen, but then once they get close to maturity, they, they pull the nitrogen out of the roots and put it in the the, uh, the pea pods or the beans. Right. No, no free ride. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that means either you, you plow down or work in your, your, beans and peas when they're still green before they they start to die down or you uh grow a crop like clover right here and you know because that that will actually because it's a perennial plant it will keep fixing nitrogen in the roots and leave more in the soil right uh, so okay so that's one way would uh, it, would it, just to kind of follow up would it, would it sure. also be the case that during the season where you're growing beans and i, I do that i kind of rotate 
beans and various legumes through beans and peas um, are the main legumes I grow. I don't, I think that's mainly it, um, but they get, they get grown everywhere um, over the course of time. Mm-hmm. Um, would it also be the case that during the season where you're growing them, you're sort of giving everything else a break? Yes. Um, so oh, yeah. There's, yeah, there's, 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 there's advantages to rotating beyond nitrogen. Yeah. So there's yeah. like all these different uh, things living through their life cycle and dying and becoming ammonium. And that's just going to get sort of not used that season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right. You got, you got one thing that's got all the nitrogen it possibly needs. Doesn't need any nitrogen from your soil. You got parallel processes in your soil that do increase the nitrogen content in your soil. Um, you know, various life cycles of things yep. in the soil. And there's really nothing. Yeah. The soil is getting a break or the, the soil is getting a break from nitrogen extraction in a sense. I don't know to what well, extent that's the case. Uh, it, it's, to some extent, it's getting a break from nitrogen extraction. It's it's the bigger impact is it's getting a break from diseases and pests that <laughs> are specific to uh, you know your tomatoes or your potatoes. Oh yes, that's the you thing. know or, or your onions. It's the main reason. Just, to, to that's rotate. the main that's that's the main reason that you know beans and peas will will give you a benefit. Um, you know the break from nitrogen extraction doesn't help us as much as you think because. We have a maritime climate, right? You know, we have this thing called winter, where it snows and then it rains and then it snows again and then it rains again, and and any nitrogen, anything that had been in the soil, um, that's ammonium, if it's available, probably got converted to nitrate and then get washed out over the winter. I got This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just have to ask you this because there are a number of very prominent YouTubers. Mm-hmm. that do videos saying that crop rotation is unnecessary for the home garden. And they say, I've been growing tomatoes in the same bed 10 years. Everything's fine. Haven't had a problem. And they say, um, this is the only proof they give. And then they, they refer mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. other studies where it's been done. Um, I've got my own take on that. I rotate my, obviously I don't agree. I rotate my crops um, because this is what's suggested by reputable sources um so what do you say to the person that that's okay i've been growing potatoes in the same place for 10 years everything's fine everything's growing great this is evidence that there's no you don't need to rotate your crops this is an industrial level gardening uh thing if he's growing potatoes or tomatoes for 10 years in a row he's also uh using fungicides of some sort just to control the the diseases that build up. I know there was a, there was a study done on, I think it was in PEI. Or was it Ontario? No, it was Ontario looking at potato rotations. Right. No. And, you know, a rotation with potatoes one year and three, and I think they went to barley and then red clover and then back to potatoes. Okay. No. Uh, greatly reduced the amount of fertilizer they needed. Greatly reduced the uh, the, the uh, pesticides, fungicides they had to use. Um, had higher yields in the potatoes in the potato year. Mm. The biggest profit was continuous potatoes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though they had to put a lot more inputs in, uh, just the way it worked out because you were getting paid every year for your potatoes. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think most of these proponents, they're they're adding like an inch or more of uh, of, of compost to their soil every year. So in a sense, it's, it's not the same garden. Like their inch of compost mm-hmm. is, is a lot of that, material. That's a, that's a lot of compost. Yeah. So it's it's really it's you know I've never done a video going through all of this, right? But mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not it's not you know so you can't put your finger in the same river twice. Um, you, you know, you, you've literally changed. It's not the same spot, like if you yep. know that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yep. I also think it's possible because the sample's so low, they're just getting lucky. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's a there's a risk of some horrible disease getting into that soil that's unique to the thing they're growing, and they've just just been lucky enough that it hasn't become a th- or some terrible pest yep. uh, setting up shop, and it's just because they're in this fantastic right place, right time, everything's working out. Um, that they haven't had a problem, right? Yeah, uh, yep. Ireland grew possible. grew continuous potatoes for you know a century. 
Tell everybody it's no problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, it's only, yeah. they either exhausted some crucial element of their soil or just something. Well, you know, yeah, the with, fungus, with, wasn't it? It was uh, Phytophthora infestans. Right. Late, late blade of potato. Late blade of potato. And it was yeah. bad. It was very bad. Yeah, it was it was very bad. It was very bad. <laughs> All right. I got us completely off of topic. Okay. Here okay. Just, um, best ways to uh, maintain optimal. Okay. 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 So, so we talked about yeah, legumes. Uh, second way. Yeah. Add compost, add manure. Right. You know, uh, they will contain a fair bit of nitrogen. Uh, you want to know what's in your compost or what's in your manure because if it's a lot of organic matter it could it will take time to break down right yeah so it's not it's not an immediate nitrogen availability it's it's a longer term uh and availability from from a compost or from manure uh and then the third way is yep go to the store buy a bag of fertilizer right you know, you know, exactly. and uh, you know if you if you look at a label on a, a bag of fertilizer, the first number is nitrogen. Right. Is there any Plus. reason? So let's say you've got your your twelve twelve. I mean, I had I had uh, Lee Reich. He's a you know I don't know if you've heard of Lee Reich, but he's a book author. He writes garden books. And I, I asked him what <laughs> what fertilizers did you use? He goes, he said. Oh, one, two, three, three, two, one, twelve, 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 six, six, six. It doesn't matter. So he's kind of being facetious, right? He's a funny, he's kind of a funny mm -hmm, guy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, generally speaking, uh, I've heard the argument that really your 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 phosphorus and your potassium, it's rare that soils are are lacking in these these uh these chemicals or the chemical compounds that have them in them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that it's nitrogen that's the thing, but most fertilizers are a combination of of all three. But yep. what is there is there a value in just buying a nitrogen fertilizer, like the stuff you use in your grass, which is like whatever. I think I got something from my lawn. It's like twenty five zero zero or something obscene like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, it's, it's, let, let's say they all cost the same. Um, would it be? Would it make sense? To just get a nitrogen fertilizer and forget about the the PK. Uh, I would say yes, and and then it depends. Okay, of course. <laughs> and and yeah, I I look at it with home gardens. I see sort of a dichotomy. Okay. There's the uh, you know the new subdivision. Somebody is has bought a house and they're they're trying to establish a garden and what's been What's been called builder's loam? Yes. You know, the, the scraps left over from building the house and uh, the soil. subsoil. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. You know, those ones, they're deficient in everything. Right. Yeah, because right. if the, if the uh, developer put topsoil back on, they put about two inches, so it's black on top, but there's really not a, a good soil there. Right. Uh, those ones... You will likely get a, a benefit from a complete, uh, you know, what we call a complete fertilizer, you know, right. something that's a triple twelve or triple fifteen, because right. uh, a lot of those soils, and you know, without a soil test, you won't know for sure. Some of them may have enough potash, but not enough phosphorus. Well, right. Phosphorus is the one that's often limiting in a lot of those situations. The other side is somebody who's been gardening for twenty years and they've added compost and they've they've been putting mulch down and you know, uh, they probably have far more phosphorus and potash in their soil than they will ever need. Right. Yes. And if they get a, uh, if they're short on something, it will be nitrogen that we lose every year because of the winters we have. Right. Yes. You know, so in that case, yeah, buying a, a 2100 or a, a, even a 4600. Right. You know. To what extent can... So I mean, over the years, I've I've really tried to just use organic mulches to maintain the fertility of my soil, um, and I mean, I'd like to say it's always been successful. But then there's there's some years where things just I got a number of beds where I'm noticing I'm cycling the cucumber. I got I got a row of beds that are four by ten, mm -hmm. and every year I move the cucumbers over. Okay, 
and I've been okay. growing in these beds. Um, so when I first put these beds down, I used the existing soil and some horse manure. And that was uh, 20, 2014, I think. Okay. Uh, all those beds have gotten since then was mulch. No amendment whatsoever, just mulch. Uh, and the mulch is either leaves or hay or grass, some okay. combination of those things. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. once in a while, uh, I will mulch because I'm desperate. I'll mulch with uh, wood chips or something like that. Um, but I don't like to use wood chips, even though so many people are fans of them. Um, I find the year after I use wood chips, I just, and, and it's totally understandable, right? Um, the year after it doesn't tend to work as well. And, you know, I probably, if I'm going to use wood chips, I should be using some sort of high nitrogen fertilizer to follow up on it. But anyway, um, so yeah, I've noticed the cucumbers aren't like the, like they were eight feet high and seven feet high and six feet high and five feet high. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just bought two cubic yards of uh, really well-aged manure uh, a few weeks ago, and I've been adding adding some to all my mm -hmm. beds. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, to what extent do you think it's, is it plausible? This is, I mean, natural systems, that's all they do, right? Stuff just falls yep. to the ground yep. and it breaks down. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Yeah, but in natural it, systems, we don't harvest anything. We're not trying to grow giant pumpkins, and I mean, exactly. yeah, we're not we're not trying we're not taking stuff away, right? So nitrogen or natural systems, yeah, it cycles, it cycles, it cycles, Close. and it doesn't doesn't go anywhere. We're yes. we're saying okay, we want to have a productive garden. We want to take a big part of what we grow and use it in the and kitchen. The most and the most energy rich part. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> somebody, we leave yeah, all the yeah, crap. Yeah. Yeah. And we're <laughs> not we're not going and peeing and pooping back in the garden, so we that's, break that cycle. That's true too. After it comes, we're not. It's right. Yeah. That's what we should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. There's that's there's really been some interesting experiments with straw bale straw bale gardening where they actually use the straw as a growing medium, but by peeing on it regularly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a logic to that. <laughs> right that would probably work so okay that does make sense um yeah that does make sense mm -hmm. um but yeah with your with your cucumbers it quite likely is that they're short of nitrogen now if you're adding grass clippings that's high nitrogen that's high that's that's high nitrogen so you're always you're... results too they're almost immediate you'll have like kale is sort of uh in july they're not super green and they're and you put like two inches of grass clippings down and a, a couple of weeks later, the plants just like, whoa, oh, yeah. you know, like it's, it's, yep, almost, yep. it's very quick. Uh, a couple of good rains, you know, a couple of weeks. And it's like you've yep. just given them a B12 shot, you know. Um, well, you've, you've essentially given them a shot of nitrogen fertilizer because, yes. you know, grass clippings there. It's a it's a lot of nitrogen relative to the amount of carbon. Yes. It breaks down very quickly and it releases nitrogen into the soil. Yeah, so, or you can you know, smell it. I mean, it, you know, yeah. the, the layers, if you lift it up, there's all this white stuff and it's, you know, it's yeah, just going yeah. crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's uh, a case of if you're, and, and, you know, your limitation will be, well, where's the grass coming from? You know, yes. you're, you're breaking the cycle somewhere. Well, that's the great thing. I so think. I got this big section of my lawn, which is my um, uh, septic field. Okay. Right? Never needs fertilization ever. So you're uh, you're you're, you're recycling am, back through through the septic tank out to the uh, the grass and then back to the garden. I am pissing on the garden <laughs> just in a sort of roundabout way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I explained that to the kids once that we're kind of, we're eating our pee and poop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they thought that was gross, funny, and and <laughs> and, and, uh, and okay, uh, okay. Uh, so we've, we've touched on this a little bit, um, but it's, it's worth asking because I know a lot of my viewers are into permaculture and that sort of thing. So we, we talk about how does nitrogen work in that? I mean, you look at a forest or you look at a field or a ditch and no one's doing any work. There's nothing being added mm -hmm. and they're getting, you know, every plant's getting what it needs, or at least it seems to be that way. Um, so, you know, do we have an ideal, idealized view of this? Uh, how do you explain the functioning of natural systems? Natural systems. Um, 
Yes, my, my cynical side says, well, the, the plants that don't get everything they're needing just sort of fade away and other plants <laughs> yes. outcompete them. That's, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, if you look at a prairie system, often, yeah. you know, that's that's the poster child for permaculture is a prairie culture. Well, a native prairie is a mix of deep-rooted grasses, um, some forbs, some sort of non-legume broadleaf plants, and a whole bunch of legumes. Right. You know, there'll be clover plants, there'll be uh, you know, sun hemp, there'll be there are a number of, it's not the usual ones we grow for hay, but there will be legumes in there right. that are, are feeding that that whole grass sword. And, oh, like the Timothy and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the, in that case, it'll be the big blue stem or yeah, you know, uh, whatever you know, warm season grasses are there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is those species of grass adapted to that prairie environment are very good at recycling back within the plant. So they'll grow in the, in the spring and then a lot of that will move back down to the roots for the winter and then that's there to... They they don't uh, sort of put out a lot of growth and then have it cut off and harvested and taken away. Right. So it's it's recycling. So that's that's the prairie system. Uh, there was some very interesting work done, actually in the uh, the rainforest in BC. And uh, you know you've got all these huge Sitka spruce and and western red cedar and how do they how do they get so big? Um, I forget the exact percentage, but it was more than half of the nitrogen in those trees came from salmon. Oh, I've, okay. I remember watching a Nature of Things. Uh, yeah, so so they're talking the, about the, the bears the leaving the salmon all yeah, over the, the place. The, the salmon are you know migrating up the streams. The bears are eating what they want, leaving the rest on the shore, and they're right. rotting down and they're feeding the trees. And if <laughs> if you cut off the salmon, the trees would be nitrogen deficient. And I imagine there'd be, there's almost, there's probably like a salmon belt. Like you've got your riparian, so you've got your forest, yeah. you've got your riparian zone, but there are things that grow near the river that don't <clears> grow <throat> anywhere else. And there's probably things that grow on behalf of these uh, rotting salmon that just yep. would not yep. grow anywhere else. <clears throat> That's it too. And also when you think about a forest, I guess you've got all these, like all the activities. If you go in the forest behind my house, and I mean, the soil, the ecology here is is like, Newfoundland, where I am, not Nova Scotia is weird. It's it's a very weird province. There's different ecologies in the province. Yeah, right? yeah. So where I live, I'd call I call it the land of granite and spruce trees, sort of thing. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, so you've got there's parts of the forest back here where it almost looks like someone planted it as a monoculture. This is just spruce trees. Yeah, or you'll be yeah. in an area where it's just pine trees, probably because the soil is extremely acidic in those locations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the only thing that can live there. And then you've got these swamp areas where you got, uh, you know, your tamaracks, things like that, that mm -hmm, can handle mm -hmm. all that water. Um, but, you know, like, yeah, the soil there, if I brought some of that soil up and put it in a pot and tried to grow something in it, it would be, I, I've, I've played it around would, with it. Would, it. It would be pathetic. It looks like beautiful <laughs> soil. It's black and it's got oh, a yeah, nice yeah, feel. Yeah. And then you try to grow anything and it is little tiny potatoes, you know, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just, uh, it's, so it's yeah. amazing. Anything, the only thing that seems to grow in it are these, these plant, the, this handful of things. And we don't have this incredible variety here too. There's, mm -hmm. like, there's mm -hmm. like 10 things. In the woods, you know? <laughs> so, uh, man, it, <clears throat> when you see something that's different, it's on an edge, right. You know, where the forest yeah. meets of kind of, we have fields here, but they're, it's not grass. It's these bushes. You know, this okay. sort of, you know, these weird kind of uh, waist high bushes that rip mm -hmm. your clothes off. Oh. Your <laughs> off. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, or you might have that another edge where, you know, you're getting close to where the water is the, on the edge of a mm -hmm. lake. You have mm -hmm. a completely different ecology there. So this, this narrow, narrow strip of all of a sudden you're still seeing choke cherries and things like this, right? Right, Which, right. They're not everywhere. They're in a certain spot or you have like mm -hmm. a, mm -hmm. a ridge where it's getting all day sun. Um, and drier so you have different things growing in those spots but otherwise it's all spruce trees and yes yeah, <laughs> some yeah. Birch Where, trees and something that's adapted people. to acidic soils and low fertility 
Yes, exactly. Yep. And if, if you add fertilizer, something else will come in that will outcompete them. Yes. So I, it is something I've, I was so enamored with the, uh, the permaculture, the elegance and the beauty of the explanation for how natural mm -hmm. systems work. But it is a, a bit of an idealization um, when you compare to what are you growing in your garden? You're growing all these tropical foods that aren't even yep, native to yep. here. And as you say, there's this huge energy extraction from the system and you want this incredible productivity. We don't want the, the cucumber. If it, was, if it was in nature, the cucumber would grow one little cucumber or two. Yep. You know, we want, I want one plant to give me 20 cucumbers about this big. Mm -hmm. And I want them to be perfect, right? Um, so I want, I want a very different thing than, than the thing that just happens. Um, so and as, as, we'll, as, I, as I say, mother nature's always right, but she doesn't care about us. No. And we'll, we'll see things <laughs> that are growing. Like if you look at a choke cherry tree, for example, it, it is growing perfectly. It's productive. There's cherries everywhere, you know, but it's growing in the one place for, you know, kilometers mm -hmm. that is yep. ideal for that. You know, that's why it's productive. Yep. You couldn't just, you know, take some of the, you could take the seeds from that. You could take the berries from that choke cherry, just throw them all over the place. Um, and, and yeah, you might get one other tree that grows that yeah, exactly. uh, is productive. And uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, we've talked about why plants need nitrogen, how to make sure they have enough, but uh, is there such a, is there such a thing as too much? And, and uh, how do you know that's happening and, and what do you do about it? Yep, yep, uh, and certainly, especially in a garden situation, it's it's easy to get too much in. Uh, that whole, you know, if a little is good, more is better, uh, can come back to bite us. Uh, first thing with too much in, you'll get a lot of green growth. You know, nitrogen drives vegetative growth, uh, which is you know, if you want kale, hey, that's or you want lettuce, that's that's fine. That's Wonderful, that's what you want. Um, there can be issues there if you've got too much nitrogen, you get high nitrates in your lettuce or in your kale, which right. uh, if you're making a steady diet of it is not good for your digestion. But <laughs> more, more often it's, uh, okay, I put more nitrogen down. I've got lovely big pepper plants. I've got lovely big tomato plants. I don't have any tomatoes. Where's all my damn tomatoes? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. everything's gone to leaves and nothing's gone to fruit. Right, you get that imbalance. Uh, so that's the first thing you get too much vegetative growth. Uh, go a little bit further, especially with the nitrogen fertilizers, but also with some of the uh, the manures. Uh, you'll get root burn. You'll get right. actual harm to the roots because the concentration uh, either of salts is too high, or of you know if you have too much ammonium in the soil. Uh, it will be released as ammonia. Uh, and, you know, uh, too much ammonia around a root, it's like holding a lit match to a root. Right. And you'll actually get them dying back. And of course, if you don't have the roots, you don't have top growth. Yes. Your plants do not do well. Um, another thing is, if we put too much nitrogen on, if plants don't use it, it will go off into the environment. So we'll lose it, we'll lose it through leaching. Uh, that's a huge issue in the potato belt then uh, you know, PEI in particular, where they're worried about nitrates in drinking water because of a history of high nitrogen on potatoes. Right. And what doesn't get used goes down into the, the water table. Uh, yeah. Or we have, you know, nitrous oxide losses to the air. I've heard some, uh, some people argue that if nitrogen's too high, that it somehow, there's an argument that, um, if the nitrogen is too high, it somehow invites increased pest damage. Have you? Um, does that make any sense there, to you? It does. It does make sense. Um, there may be some effect that you've got lush, lots of lush, soft growth, if you like, which is going to be easier for a, a fungus to infect. I think a bigger impact is you've got lots of vegetative growth. You're holding humidity within that plant canopy, so you've got an environment where diseases can take hold. Right. Yes. Yeah, so you will get more disease pressure if you've got excess vegetative growth, huh. um, and especially if it's you know a situation where you're trying to maximize product productivity from a small small space. You've got everything 
squashed together. Yes. And then you get all this lush lush growth and there's no place for air to circulate around uh, right. that foliage. Uh, you're, you're creating a condition where uh, fungal diseases or bacterial diseases can, can take hold and do a lot of damage. I see. All right. Um, and if you have too much nitrogen, what do you, do you just, I guess you just have to wait, <laughs> wait for a good rain? Or yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one where if you see that situation, you're going, oh, shoot, I did that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's really about all you can do. You can't, uh, nothing you can add, you know, if it's, if it's a small garden, you can, you know, water and try and wash it out and that's that's what they'll do you and... plant some heavy feeders like plant uh, you know plant the corn you know something that just you, you know can't seem to get enough nitrogen you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. um, all right keith this has been great uh good conversation on nitrogen always good to have you on the show uh people if you are looking for a great christmas present to give yourself or someone you know who loves gardening uh, improving your soil is a fantastic uh, thing to add to your gardening library. If I had to throw away everything and keep five books, that would be one of the books I kept for sure. Um, Keith, great having you on the podcast as always. Uh, thank you so much. You're quite welcome and uh, hope everybody learned a little bit. <laughs> okay, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, check out my pod or check out my uh Substack page, maritimegardening.substack. Check out the YouTube channel. And of course, avail yourself of the coupon code from Bessie Seeds. And until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Thanks for watching. Thanks a lot, Keith. Hey, if you want to help support everything I'm doing here, go to Vessies.com to buy whatever you need for your garden this year. Use my coupon code GAVS23 to get free shipping as long as there's a pack of seeds in the order and there's no oversized items in the order. Check out the description box of this video for details. You can buy everything you need from Bessies. They have seeds, fruit bushes and trees, soil amendments, pest solutions, tools, clothing, and lots of other stuff too. So yeah, if you want to help support everything I'm doing here and they sell something you need, buy it from them using my coupon code and happy gardening.